Welcome everyone um, to this LinkedIn Live uh, broadcast session. Um, we're going to be talking about how can brands work with influencers in regulated industries. Um, I'm Tim, CEO of Onlytica. We provide influence marketing and advocacy software to enterprise brands and help them connect with experts and influencers to create inspiring content. So today I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about the challenges of regulated industries and how best these can be overcome when partnering with influencers to create to create and promote content. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by three um, amazing experts in this area. So um, first of all, um, Luke Brilliant-Jones, uh, based in Cambridge in the UK, founder and CEO of OST, um, the social media agency. Um, Luke says he helps serious people to understand social media. I can assure you that he's not all serious himself, but he does mean business. Um, <laughs> I've worked with him for many years and he's worked with a lot of influences in regulated industries. Uh, such as finance and pharma, and very well qualified to talk about uh, this topic. Um, we're also um, joined by Effie uh, Pilarinu, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, normally based in Freiburg, Switzerland, but um, today um, is speaking to you from Greece. Um, she's a very well-known fintech and blockchain influencer, and she's founder of her own advisory practice. Um, and Kevin Jackson, uh, last but not least, based in Virginia, um, near Washington, Washington DC, um, CEO and founder of GC Global Net, um, and a globally recognized uh, cybersecurity and cloud computing expert. So a very warm welcome to everyone. Just before I get started, um, I just really wanted to provide a bit of background about why we're doing this LinkedIn Live session. Um, influencer marketing is, is seen by many brands as a B2C play, but actually there's arguably a significantly greater opportunity for B2B brands um, for influence marketing. And heavily regulated industries have enough challenges with creating content through their brands um, and their employees without adding um, external influences uh, into the mix. And creating content with external influences in heavily regulated industries has some challenges. And a lot of brands you know, therefore don't leverage that opportunity, which I think is a shame. Um, in this LinkedIn Live, we're going to discuss many of the challenges and also some of the solutions for how you can get through this. Um, there are many regulated industries. So you were talking about finance and tech, but they could be pharma, agriculture, travel and tra transportation, telecoms, uh, fisheries, forestry, forestry, for example. So um, there are many, many different sectors. There are also different uh, regulatory bodies per country and region. You know, from an advertising uh, promotional standpoint, there are different regulators um, such as the FTC in the US and the ASA in the UK. Um, today, we're going to be talking mainly about the finance and tech industry. Um, and we're going to be talking about US and European regulators. So really excited to get started. I um, uh, just wanted to ask each of the uh, experts on the panel here today to uh, say a bit more about yourselves and to talk about some of the challenges that you have faced from creating influencer content in regulated industries. So that would be great. So Luke, if you wouldn't mind uh, kicking off that would be fantastic and then followed by Effie and then Kevin. Thanks Tim, great to be on here. Um, yeah absolutely so uh, I guess you know from an agency perspective we we work with lots of clients where in B2B so you know all of our clients are in this kind of space um, largely tech as well so we've in recent years quite often come across companies that are really hesitant to get into um, influencer marketing because of the regulatory side of things um, there are other hesitancies as well, you know, that they're sort of a lot of them looking for leads and they're wondering whether influencer marketing will generate that and, and all these things. So 
we found um, kind of as an agency that um, we're needing to sort of do the research for them and dig into these topics for them because um, often, although they're quite up on their regulations, they don't know how they apply to influence marketing. Um, and that seems to be the big gap that exists at the moment, this this lack of knowledge. And even when we you talk to the regulators in the different sectors, they don't really understand influencer marketing generally either. So there's this big gap and we're just part of the solution, kind of filling that gap with with knowledge and insights. But to be, to be clear, in my view, I think most um, sectors are, are kind of making this up on the fly at the moment. So, um, you know, there's no right or wrong answers to some extent. Fantastic. So you're, you're working as real educators, uh, both from the regulatory standpoint and from the influencers and probably from the, the brands as well. So um, sounds like you're really uh, helping advance the industry. Um, Effie, um, we'd love to get a bit more background about you and, uh, and some of your experiences about the challenges. Yeah, well, I, I come from the traditional finance industry. I started my career on Wall Street in New York. Uh, of course, a, a very highly regulated industry. I cannot forget uh, the team of lawyers that we had to check uh, for everything uh, internally and externally, whether it was research, communication, term sheets, anything had to go through compliance uh, with the lawyers and so on. In that respect, nothing has changed in the industry. And at the same time, when I think of all the innovators, uh, call them the fintechs, um, uh, they may have a lighter regulation initially, but as they grow up, they start to also get into to the regulatory hurdles and the complexities, because as you already mentioned, the world is a diverse cross-border business is, is tough from a regulatory point of view. Uh, I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to, to talk about these uh, challenges. I've been working and focused on the fintech industry, uh, and that's not only the startups, it includes uh, technology vendors, it includes um, incumbent banks and financial institutions, and, and the startups, of course and I help them mainly in their thought leadership and their content creation. And again, I look forward to discussing more details and sharing my experience of how it's been. And, and as I assume everybody will say, the business has changed a lot over the past one or two years with, with COVID. So over to you, Kevin. Uh, well, well, thank you very much, uh, Effie and Luke. I am just so honored uh, to be here on the same screen uh, with you. And as you have uh, said, business has changed a lot. Um, and change is something that's not only continuous, but it's accelerating. And I think that's one of the major reasons why influencers are becoming so or have become so important in the B2B world. Um, just by what we're doing today, business is global. We're in Greece, we're in the UK, we're in the US. We have uh, people that are looking at us from all over the world. So when you are communicating across the industry, 
you have to leverage uh, mass media, mass media medium, and make observations from a global perspective. And this is one thing that it's, it's even more critical when you're operating in a highly regulated industry. I have experience working with companies like Refinitiv and, and Webull and, and AT&T Business and their financial industry vertical. And what I've found is that influence of marketing is really about education. It's about uh, informing from a professional point of view what's happening in the world within your industry and how these changes relate to uh, the individual and to the broader ecosystem of the industry. And so influences bring that, that, that value, the ability to observe from a interested party point of view, but they also bring that experience uh, and that professionalism um, from outside, apart from the marketing, where you're, as a marketeer, you're trying to say why you are um, different or better than your competitors. But from an influencer point of view, you're explaining what's happening across the industry. So uh, that's, that's what's changing. And it's really driven by this digital transformation. So thank you very much for the opportunity to discuss it. Yeah, and I, I think what's really interesting already is that education has been the main word, I think, used both in terms of explaining the regulatory and compliance landscape, but also with influencers, actually, you know, their main job being to educate the marketplace. Um, so I guess when, when it comes to creating content, what is, what is the right, I mean, Luke, what would you say is the most successful you know, content and maybe the, the most compliant content? Because I imagine there, there are going to be issues with live content. You know, if this was a you know, financial podcast, for example, we were going live and, and maybe there wasn't you know, lots of financial expertise, you know, that might present a brand risk, for example. But your know, written blog might be signed off. But you also want to have agile content and video is is very impactful nowadays. So what would you say is the right um, or the most effective content you know, in regulated industries? Well, it all comes down to trust, really. And, and that's that's the key thing. Um, you know, all of these businesses are putting out lots of communication all day, every day in different ways. And all of that technically is regulated in different ways. So um, the key thing is how do they how do they manage to do that without getting you know the lawyers to read and rewrite everything and it's really that they they trust that their teams are doing it right and they they've done it right so many times that that they trust them to do it so that's that's our role really is to is to build that trust um, in whatever medium or format we're doing so typically yes we'll start with something low risk so you know we'll contact kevin say kevin you know we'd love to quote you we'd love to get you involved in in something maybe you can give us a written uh, quote and we can include that in something um and that'll get reviewed by lawyers and approved, whatever. And they'll look at Kevin and go, well, okay, he is an expert. We trust him. And they'll let us go forward with that. Um, 
but before they'll let us do a live like this, a LinkedIn live or something, we would have to have gone through that process quite a few times to, to, to get that trust. So for me, it's not really about the format. It's about, you know, starting small, building the trust internally, and then having the, you know, the, the right to go out and, and do the live stuff and, and get really excited. Because actually, you know, if we were to say, yeah, we're going to put Effie on stage at an event, quite quickly they would go okay that's great yeah you can you can go and do that so so there's already it's already happening in a real life environment but suddenly as soon as you take it virtual take it online give it a permanence they're they're a bit more worried about it so, yeah I, th I think that, that that is fascinating isn't it because um you know i know that uh that that you do some some you know, global event speaking so um so yeah have you have you found your know, what content formats have you found to be very effective that maybe don't have to go through as so many regulatory checks? Well, I mean, it depends on the size of the business that, that you're working. I mean, in finance, not all businesses are regulated with the same uh, degree, um, if you like. You know, you have, uh, for example, a bank uh, with a full banking license or a universal banking license there you you will naturally expect more scrutiny versus um, a fintech or a, a payment institution with an e-money license uh, so it, it it really varies for me my experience is that both blogs and recorded interviews recorded videos where there's some type of uh, preparation and there's um, some uh, potential to edit. Those are the safest, uh, um, you know, uh, types of content. And uh, in terms of live video and live sessions, what I like and what I've done in my experience is if we are discussing a research piece, a white paper that the client has put out or a survey uh, that we've already written a blog about and, and we want to animate it and repurpose it, then we can do a live because as Kevin was saying and as Luke was saying, there's the experience and the trust of wh what are the limits of what we need to discuss. So I like to, to think of it as building around a core theme, be it the research piece, be it the trend, be it the challenge, you know, if we're talking about new regulation, uh, how to use this uh, technology for um, a certain type of new regulation, then we, we build up our content. And, and the safest way is to start with a blog, to start with a pre-recorded interview, and then uh, repurpose with, with live uh, video. Great, fantastic, yeah, I love that. And Kevin, so yeah, mm -hmm. could you explain, could you, dig into a bit more detail of some of the experiences you mentioned AT&T business and, 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 and Refinitiv as well. Um, yeah. you, what, what, you talk to us a bit about some of the challenges or some of the codes of conduct that you've had to sort of go through as an influencer when working and partnering with those brands. I think you, uh, uh, that was a pretty interesting term you used when you say code of content. Con, uh, conduct, um, because the very the very start, the very first place you start when you're thinking about working with an influencer, 
is you have to know that an effective influence in any industry is a practicing professional that has gained deep business insight through longevity and varied experience, right? The difference between doing this in a regulated and a non-regulated industry is that experience includes a deep understanding of applicable laws and regulations. That is a must, but it only begins there because you not only have to be a professional uh, and a good professional, no, not, you know, you really have to be good at what you do, but you have to have a journalistic morality, right? Uh, you have to follow a code of conduct of a journalist that you're going to speak the truth, that you're not a mouthpiece, okay? Um, so that's, that's another code of conduct you have to uh, think about. Also, you are a service provider to your customer. So you, you have a duty to help your customer, to fulfill your customer's goals, aspirations, and requirements. And in doing that, you have to make sure that they align with your own viewpoints, your goal, own goals, and, and what your uh, professional position is, as well as your journalistic position. And finally, you have a code of conduct to your audience. You are a content provider. They are listening to you because they believe you. They want to learn from you. As we said before, a lot of this is education. So you must be truthful. You need to maintain your independence. In fact, an influencer's independence is what makes them a powerful influencer for a customer. So they align. So there's really four uh, codes that you have to align by. Your professional code, journalistic code, uh, your code as a service provider to your customer and as a content provider to your audience. So it can get difficult. Can I, yeah, I, I, I'd like I, to add to what Kevin said, uh, uh, Tim, because really he raised some, some great uh, points. Uh, what I'd like to add is a, a good influencer has to have a great mix of content that is client content and content that is completely independent. Mm -hmm. And I have my own sort of rule of thumb of that mix because really what, what my passion, my purpose is to raise awareness, to help people understand trends, insights, share from others too, and eventually educate, but in a very practical sense, not in the academic sense, in the professional field sense. So it, it is extremely, delicate uh, the, this role so if if you're only putting out content 
that is generated you know through through business it's you don't keep your independence and and in that process you also formulate what are the specific themes that you care about to talk about uh, if you're you know in the finance industry are you more talking about wealth management or you know the fiduciary duties are you talking more about regulatory challenges are you talking more about sustainability all those issues and how can you help clients that care about those issues so influencers at the b2b level are also developing specialties if you want yes um, uh, just, i love just, what just sort of an add on it that it requires mutual respect between the brand and the influencer they have to uh, respect the knowledge of each other and this education role of an influencer is not just to the audience it's to the brand as well yeah no, i absolutely love this i i, I think um when we were talking about you know doing this linkedin live april rudin uh, who's a well-known you know fintech uh, influencer globally as well she was talking about you've got to get the right content and you've got to get expertise within the industry and i think that that resonates really well with what both you, Effie, and Kevin have been saying, that you both are from you know, the sort of finance and tech industries. You understand it. You understand the regulatory environment, and you want to maintain your independent voice. And you're, you're working you're, with a mindset of a journalist as well, which is, which is absolutely you're brilliant. And, and I love the independence angle and the, and the sort of two-way partnership because, you know, you have to obviously serve your audience and the brand is accessing that as well. So, I mean, look, it seems, um, you know, brands work to work with Effie and Kevin, it seems you're know, pretty easy, right? Like everyone should just jump in and uh, and work with them because, you know, they're great independent experts that are going to educate the marketplace. So, uh, obviously, there are other challenges. You, you talked about, you know, uh, and you've, you've talked to me personally about editorial control and you know I know that you've been you're know, having to explain um, and educate a bunch of different lawyers in this of in the uh, FCA in the UK so it, it would be great to understand some of the other challenges which which you've experienced from a you know, maybe from an advertising standpoint you know when um, great influencers like Effie and Kevin are creating content you know, what are the regulations should they put hashtag you know, spawn or ad, I mean, they're not really advertising, they've got independent voices. Should they put, you know, brand partner, like a lot of influencers do in non-regulated industry? What, what, what's the, what's yeah. the latest advice? So, so yeah, just a caveat, I'm not a lawyer here, but I do spend enough time talking to them that I think I know what they they would say. Um, but anyway, yeah, find your own lawyer if you need one. Um, I would just add to those, those comments that were made, it is interesting that if you look at the what the regulators are after it is independence it is honesty it's all that stuff which actually in b2b the influencers are because they have this integrity and they need to maintain their personal brands so um you know i think a lot of the the narrative around influencer marketing is in the consumer space where you could say the integrity is is less obvious and it is less at the, the foremind of the influencers so um so that, it, that narrative has has dominated 
the, the way that most companies and their lawyers go go forward with this. So our, our job is to go, no, no, this is a different space. These influencers aren't after um, you know, pure cash. They do have their own reputations, et cetera. So that's, that, it's shifting that narrative that's the first thing. Um, broadly, when we're working in, with finance, for example, there are two, two states of affairs. There's whether you're paying the influencer and whether you're not. Um, and broadly, if you're paying them, there are definite regulations. So in the UK, that would be the sort of FCA, uh, Financial Conduct Authority, um, uh, CMA, Competition Markets Authority, and also, um, obviously, the, the baseline is the Advertising Standards Agent Authority. Um, so those rules apply to everybody, not just in finance. Um, and all of them, if you're paying somebody or rewarding them in some way or giving them any kind of benefit in kind, say you, they need to be disclaiming that. So there needs to be a nice, clear disclaimer around the relationship that you have. And depending on the regulator, that relationship lasts for a period after the benefit is transferred. So it could be 12 months after. That's a typical time scale. So if somebody's spoken at an event for you and they've been paid for that, and then you want to work with them just organically on some stuff, they should be disclaiming the, the, the relationship that they have with you in that um, subsequent engagement as well. So that's the, the, the sort of broad side. The only other little tricky thing is this thing about editorial control. So in certain circumstances, if um, uh, an influencer is deemed, if you're deemed to have influence over their editorial, even if you're not paying them, that could be considered a regulated relationship um so the fc there are certain fca rules that are worth looking at in the uk and i think in the us they have similar um you know perhaps issues around that so so it does get a bit muddy but the biggie is payment uh, or, or reward in any any format that's the that's the the difference yeah, i'd love to hear from from ufe and do, what do you think from an influencer's standpoint when brands you know contact you you know how are you given full editorial control if you're if you're not or they want to get a few messages across like how do you how do you showcase to the world that you're in a paid partnership with them uh, i mean in, in um, the form of a blog i always disclose at the bottom of the blog uh, that xyz is, is a client um the way i like to work is on thought leadership pieces uh, which are not at all selling any product of either the tech uh, client that i'm working with or any other financial institution and also uh, educational um, series i've worked with um, banks uh, on educational you know content i've worked with tech vendors, you know, Oracle, SAP, um, um, Salesforce, and so on. And again, it's all thought leadership um, content. And uh, I, I try to avoid uh, product, um, you know, launches and, and, and so on. Um, in terms of, of the video, uh, again, on my YouTube channel, in the description, I will disclose that uh, this company is, is a client of mine. Uh, and I think it is fair. And again, for me, it's a question of the proportion 
of this type of content that I put out and the content that I continuously put out, which is independent, both on LinkedIn and on Twitter, my podcasts, my YouTubes. There's a, a very substantial amount that is completely, um, I would say, independent and, and not uh, paid for. So Great. that is how I, I see that. Great, thank you. And 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 Kevin, with your LinkedIn and and your posts and, and tweets, would you put hashtag uh, AT and T business partner or something like that? Or or if it's completely independent thought leadership, um, you know, do you see yourself in the community just posting content because it's not really about the brand; it's about it's about the topic. What what what's your perspective on that? Well, um, once again, and I may uh, seem to be harping on this, but it's about professionalism, right? And it's all about context. Yes, if I get sponsored or asked to write content or uh, put a post on social media, absolutely, I always disclose that um, I'm doing that in collaboration with a brand. But the content, I always present the content within the context of the entire industry. Um, I try to present what my partner is doing and how as an example of what's going on in the industry. I uh, avoid, or I like to say never, but you know, uh, endorse something as the best uh, because the best always changes. Even if you're working with a product or a brand that you are personally um, uh, believe is the best, there is things that you don't know. <laughs> okay, so um, the context is critical and and, it, and, it, and it's important for your own professionalism. Uh, and on the area of payment, uh, a influencer is not a parrot. When a brand hires an influencer, they're not trying to hire a parrot, right? So don't expect to have a parent. Payment is for knowledge, experience and advice, not words. Uh, and finally, one of the things I think that brands fail to do, which is a very powerful thing when they're using influencers, is to highlight the influencer's professional history. For instance, um, I was a vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase working out of headquarters in, in New York headquarters, managing their global IT projects office. That is uh, something that I needed to know regulatory requirements and restrictions mm -hmm. from a global perspective. Um, that's how I gained a lot of my understanding and knowledge of the finance industry. So if you're going to have an influencer with that type of background, make it known. Uh, sometimes, even if it was with a competitor, 
That's even better. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I, and I think that you're know, both yourself working with JP Morgan Chase and um, Effie, when you're talking about um, your experience in Wall Street, you know, that's really powerful. And, and people and brands can see the credibility and trust that we talked about at the beginning. Um, the interesting thing that I've seen over the past few years is the word influencer. It turns a lot of people off within brands. I just wondered, um, Luke, what you think about if you're, you're working with a finance brand or a pharma brand, for example, you say, let's run an influencer program. And they think, oh, that's people on Instagram pushing a product. For example, obviously, this conversation is totally different. This is more of an analyst relations. This is more of a journalist exercise. Um, what do you think the best ways of describing your influencer-generated content in a regulated industry so that it actually it, it sits as like these are just wonderful industry experts creating educational content for your brand? Yeah, I mean, the terminology does definitely, you know, it's, it's part of that. Uh, sort of narrative that we step into sadly in many situations so if we can go in and you know for example with sage um you, you're familiar tim the you know the accountancy software company with them we we set up their global influencer program as their experts program um, and i think that automatically set us off down the right route because we had them termed as experts we validated each individual as an expert and then we worked with them and they were accepted across the business in that sense um, whereas with other companies, you know, they, they, they want to go with the term influencer and it does cause a few issues. So, um, yeah, definitely makes a difference, the, the termination, uh, terminology around that. Um, I think, I think the, the other thing is getting into the detail of, of who these people are. So, um, as you all know as well, Tim, I mean, there are sort of amplifiers in sectors. So people who have large followings on social channels who aren't necessarily subject matter experts. And at the other end of the scale, obviously, you've got some really brilliant subject matter experts who don't have a lot of followers. So we're always trying to find a middle ground between that so that we're getting people who do have a genuine audience and a reach and impact, but also have the expertise to go with it. And it's getting agreement with the client and, and the influencers in between the two um, of, of what level we're going in at. And so the expectations are set and everybody knows you know what what we're going in as whereas some companies really they really want to go for the amplifier route they're just after driving their their reach and awareness and and that's that's what they want to go for so those things can be balanced need to be balanced and i'd love to love to get effie and kevin your perspective on the the term influencer do you like being called an influencer would you rather you know, be an industry expert that's going to create thought leadership content you know, what what's your perspective and and also, do people come to you saying, I'd like you to promote this this article or something like that? You know, I'd love to get the perspectives on uh, on those two questions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Kevin. Okay. So, um, I mean, the term influencer and also in some parts of the world, key opinion leader um, are also used. Um, and I, I kind of like KOL, a key opinion leader, or professional, and I, I don't like influencer because of its association with the uh, uh, B2C or consumer product market. But unfortunately, you really can't get away from it. So whenever I'm uh, uh, in this type of discussion, even if they're calling it an influencer, 
I like to highlight the fact that um, I'm a thought leader in industry. <laughs> I create content to educate the marketplace and the consumers of the products and services from that marketplace. And I always emphasize that in the uh, content that I uh, produce. And even more important, lawyers need education too. <laughs> so when you're, when you're talking to the lawyers about limits, restrictions, or what they, they depend on precedence. But in what we are doing, that precedence doesn't exist. And things are changing so fast that what precedence you may think existed was set a year ago, they change. So that, that being active within an industry and being an industry thought leader is critical. So, and if you continually position yourself in that way, then it doesn't matter what they call you. If they call you an influencer, um, it doesn't matter because you have gained trust with your audience, within the industry, and, and uh, you know, you can remain independent. Great, fantastic. What do you think, Effie? I mean, I'm with Kevin. I don't like uh, the, the umbrella term influencer, but we can't get away from it. I, I, to me, also thought leader, content creator. I like to stress content creation uh, because that's what I do. And, and that's how I feel that I, I'm different uh, than others. I'm passionate about it. Uh, I write blogs, I do video, I do audio, I do posters. I, I, you know, it's, this is what I look uh, to do. Um, and um, I have the industry expertise. I didn't, you know, uh, wake up one day and, and say that, okay, I, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, obviously on the innovation front, it's uh, learning by doing and, and developing a network globally to, to follow the, the trends. I think it's important to share with our audience that the business, the B2B influencer business has changed over this COVID era. Uh, I have experienced this and I assume uh, most in, in our business half because digital business has increased because brands were more open to if you want to experiment with new content i um, had the chance to work with more brands both publicly but also privately and i think this is a, a point that we should stress here that some brands um, want to hire influencers thought leaders for private events be it a round table you know whatever it is for their prospects for their you know industry or cross industry outreach and so on and i think that's also a great uh, opportunity that is underutilized by the industry and it's very different than the client that luke was talking about that is looking for an amplifier you know, in social media. So on the one extreme, we have the need to amplify in social 
media. In the middle, we have content creation, independent or collaborative content creation and sharing on social media. And then on the other end, I see private um, collaboration uh, with the brands. And I think all of them are underutilized, but the private part is even more underutilized and, and there's a lot uh, that we can do and customize and design with clients. Yeah, I, I love that, Effie, and I couldn't agree more with the private influence and the events, you know, the private event stuff, because it's not all about social media. And, and I think what what's really interesting from my perspective is, you know, the, the old, um, in the olden time, the CFO maybe would jump in a taxi at five in the morning and, you know, read the paper and they would be influenced by different mediums now. And I, I just wondered in the sort of regulated industries like pharma, like, like finance, um, whether, Luke, you think that the the audience has, you know, how the audience has changed over the years, whether this kind of traditional audience that brands are trying to reach is now on social, now on LinkedIn and Twitter, as well as obviously having the events. Because the events used to be, you know, obviously one of the one of the main channels for influence and also obviously through traditional journalism and advertising. Yeah, interesting. I think certainly, you know, everybody mentioned at the beginning, business has changed over the last couple of years. One of the things we've noticed is that we get, we often get higher caliber individuals joining virtual activities and events that we, that we perhaps didn't before. Um, I think there has been a, you know, we've all had to go kind of virtual with our engagements, the things we watch, the things we look out for. Many people have become re-engaged with LinkedIn as a platform. Um, so, we, we've actually yeah, seen a sort of uplift in the audience for um, all sorts of media on, online, but, but especially kind of expert-led thought leadership content that is designed for more senior people. Um, so I think that's definitely been the case. I know there's been uh, a bit of an upswell in, in focus on influencers. That was kind of happening anyway, but I think that's partly due to the pandemic. We've seen an increase. Fantastic. Um, Thanks so much, Luke. And uh, Clifton just um, uh, posted a comment. Many super helpful tips and insights. Thank you so much for taking time to share your knowledge. So thank you very much for watching Clifton for commenting on the LinkedIn Live. Um, we're going to be promoting um, a lot of these sort of sound bites from this over the next couple of weeks. So if you're listening, please uh, watch out for that. Um, I'd like to um, just end because we're you know we're, we're 45 minutes in already. So I want to. Uh, wrap up. I could talk about this for for hours. I didn't think I could talk about regulation for hours, but it, it's it's um it's something that has been uh, super fascinating. I'd love to um, hear maybe in you know, thirty uh, in thirty seconds, like what advice you would give brands uh, from each of you to create content in regulated industries. So maybe Kevin, if you could go first, and then um, Effie, and then Luke, if you could wrap up. For sure, thank you. And this has been enjoyable. I've, I've, I've learned a lot and, and thank you for putting this together. So I guess in my 30 seconds, I'm going to uh, sort of hang on to Effie's uh, coattails because we, uh, in this market, uh, in this industry, we wear multiple hats. Yes, I'm an influencer. I have reach, I have engagement of a large audience so I can get your word out. 
but all also I'm a marketeer. I create content. I can create video of uh, uh, a text or audio uh, to explain, to educate, to help. But I'm also a consultant, right? I understand the industry. I can provide advice on a, a business model or how to approach a market. So if you engage with me, engage all three hats as a brand. Don't just see me as a influencer or a, and go hire somebody else as a marketeer and a third person as a consultant. You get much more value, insight from leveraging all of the tools uh, we bring to the table. So Fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. I'll echo Kevin. I liked uh, what Kevin said. I like to say that I operate in the intersection of business development, marketing as a domain expert. And I'm passionate uh, to, to create content. And what I love is to collaborate with my client and brainstorm and come up with new ideas that are suitable for uh, the client. So this is the kind of relationship that I, I like uh, to have. And I'm very clear on what are the things that I care about and that my audience will really listen when I'm talking about those issues. Can help clients really, what are the issues that everybody's on their mind, what people want to hear about, what resonates, what's the narrative and how can we shape the narrative going forward? So these are the things that uh, sort of uh, move me. Fantastic. Sorry, Thank you, Afi. That teased me up perfectly, actually. Why not have two influencers going on before me? So, so yeah, I mean, um, the, the key thing, as you mentioned before, Tim, is focusing topics not on product launches, not on the kind of sales aspects of things, but on the big ticket um, industry level topics and then you're staying out of any of the potential risks of, of working with influencers um but also you're doing things that are interesting to them um you know effie kevin others they're all interested in those big ticket um topics so focus on those find the mutual benefit for them make sure that you're aligning with the influencers goals so that you're providing some value there as well um, and if you do then need to pay them as well make sure you take the pain out of it so make it nice and clear provide a really nice clear hashtag um, you know, lead the way and and, and make it a really uh, good experience for everyone. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for, for joining. I really enjoyed this this chat. Um, you know, I think we've, I mean, I've certainly learned a lot. Uh, it's been great to just get, you know, uh, Luke as a sort of leading agency in this field and uh, two influences, I should say, industry thought leaders, experts, whatever, people, content creators. Um, they, 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 as Kevin said, they wear multiple hats, but um, it is about collaboration. It is about uh, creating industry content, not talking about the brand. And, and I hope that anyone's uh, watching this is just inspired to uh, to create you know industry leading expertise. Um, you know the the content creation that can, you can create is going to deliver far more impact than the brand talking about itself. So thank you so much, and um, and uh, I will be doing future LinkedIn lives um, on other topics and challenges to the influence marketing space. So thank you again, and uh, thank you for watching, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.